De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about product management in big tech versus startups. Joining us is Kartik Suresh, who is the co-founder at Ignition, which is a collaborative hub for marketing and product teams to plan execute and measure the go-to-market side of launching. And today, Kartik and I are going to talk about leading product development at early stage startups versus tech giants. Okay, here's my conversation with Kartik Suresh, the co-founder at Ignition. Kartik, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited. It's not a topic we get to cover as much as I'd like, Kartik. And it's a really important topic, which is how do we get new products to market? Getting new products to market, if we do that successfully, means growth. So I really appreciate your being on the show today and sharing that expertise with us. And then through my mind's eye, Kartik, the delta between early stage and more mature tech orgs is always really huge, right? So it's product to market fit versus you know stability and scale and quality to some degree. So it's almost like scrappy versus stayed, if you will. Is that the right way to, to look at those two paradigms? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is definitely one of the things which I'm glad we're discussing today because I honestly believe like product management, especially an early stage startup is very different from doing the same thing at an established company. It's almost apples and oranges. You know, when, when people sometimes talk about, okay, you know, I've been a PM for at Facebook for 10 years, then that doesn't, that doesn't automatically make you an amazing fit for an early stage startup and, and vice versa. Probably the other way is better. Like if you're if you're probably in the earlier stage startup, maybe it's easier for you to fit in a larger company. But the roles, the job, the day-to-day work, everything is so different. Starting with the early stage, right? Here, we can actually talk about three stages. Early stage, and then this growth stage, and then this say, established companies. In early stages of the company, really your number one job is about finding product market fit, which is basically finding a market and the users who kind of, use your product on a you know, daily basis or a weekly basis, or some kind of a cadence where, I mean, and they actually find value and eventually they start paying for it. In fact, paying is probably even a secondary metric. The first thing you want to look at is retention. And then in order to get to it, you need to do a ton of experimentation. You will need to experiment with the product. You need to experiment with the different persona, with the audience, or even sometimes with a different industry. Sometimes you need to pivot your whole idea if it's not if your old idea is not working. So this there you go through literally like a roller coaster during that process. And I was a part of two other startups before, for example, Facebook, where I had to go through it. My previous startup was at Craft, where initially we 
you know, we, we built a solution, uh, like a company data intelligence solution for hedge funds, and we realized it was such a bad market because they churn a lot, they are very demanding, although it was easier to sell. And we eventually found our product market fit in supply chain intelligence. So here, the number one, the number one skill is, you know, as you said, like being very scrappy, being able to hustle and do a lot with very little resources. You know, being able to find, okay, I need to help, I need help with design, you know, just go on Upwork or on Angelus and being able to find a designer to you know, do a couple of weeks of project to help you design a, a mock-up or a feature. And then being able to like talk to a ton of users, being able to A-B test your product. So those are some of the skills you would, and being able to write your own SQL queries, go through the data, you know, get the both the qualitative side and the quantitative side, make sure it's working. All of that, you're the person doing the job. So now, let's say in, in growth stage companies, let's talk about growth stage companies. So growth stage companies, you already have product market fit. And now you're trying to you know, pour fuel over the fire, right? How do you like acquire customers fast? And here, for example, here's where like thinking about distribution, thinking about like repeatable channels, like which channels are you going to acquire users? And that becomes very important. So the distribution here is almost more important sometimes than the product. I've seen several companies with amazing products, but they fail to invest in distribution and the right go-to-market or the channels, and they never you know, grow to their true potential. So uh, investing in, you know, basically the growth teams, investing in, in the right channels is very important to make sure you can repeatedly acquire users. And, and then obviously, assuming the product is sticky, then uh, grow at a much faster rate than in the earlier stage. So it's a very different, again, skill set where you're focused on growth and user acquisition on the right channels, focused on distribution, focusing on messaging, figuring out how to position your products. All of those things are very important skills. Now, when you go to the large companies, established companies, they're the number one skill is dealing with people <laughs> as a product leader. It's, it's funny when you talk about it. It's like your day-to-day job is not about, okay, here's the next cool idea or here's the next cool feature. No, your job is dealing with people, is dealing with stakeholders. It's like 80% of the time I spent at Facebook was literally stakeholder management. So whether it's like unblocking my engineering teams, trying to partner with another team in Facebook, trying to get space in the roadmap to unblock my engineering team, or getting like legal policy approval for my roadmap, or getting executive approval for the budget, and then you know educating, marketing, sales, and other other stakeholders on the product. So that's pretty much I spent all my day on meetings. I spend most of my time on educating the stakeholders, getting buy-ins, unblocking the engineers. So most of my job is all about communication. And that's what you need to be really good at at an established company. So as you can see, it's very different skill sets at different stages. And they all fall under the umbrella of product development. They all fall under the umbrella of product management. Yet all of them are many ways distinct disciplines. So let's start with this idea of early stage startup development. And I, and I talked about Scrappy. You mentioned Scrappy as well. But I'm curious, I feel like that's such a well-worn story in development circles, especially in Silicon Valley, right? It's, it's you know, these heroic stories of, you know, co-founders coming together, coming out of the combinators and figuring out pretty quickly that their original idea doesn't work. They have the pressure of the cash burn behind them with that early investing happening. And that tends to be the forcing function to ensure that they pivot to product market fit. Very different skill set inherent there. But I'm curious, I think the piece I don't hear about, we always see the success stories, but how often are, are those founding members of the development team thinking in terms of go-to-market motions or models? An example I'll give you is, say, are they early on going, yeah, this is going to be a product-led growth model, 
or critique you finding situations where those clients are actually going, gee golly, we're lucky enough that we can have a product-led growth model. In other words, how intentional are people at that stage thinking about growth later on? Yeah, you know, the answer is unfortunately, specifically for go-to-market, not a lot. In fact, that's the number one advice I have for early stage founders. It's like, you need to think about your distribution model pretty early in the company. The saying always is you build an amazing product and they will come. More often than not, they don't come because like there's like, even in, for example, in SaaS tools, it's a good example. There's an explosion of tools in the SaaS category right now. 10 years ago, yeah, sure. But like right now, you know, you really need to invest in go-to-market motion. You need to figure out what's your distribution going to be. And even before you figure out the go-to-market motion for your product, you need to figure out the go-to-market motion for your company as a whole. Uh, you know, as you said, is it as a product-led growth? Is it like a per seat? model where you know you're investing a lot in like a digital marketing and have a customer success and a community-led kind of a model versus you know a sales-led model where you're selling to the enterprises where you need to hire like you know account execs and then you know very very dedicated customer success people you know SDRs and just set up the whole you know marketing you know sales customer success flow in in, in for larger stage companies. And in order to do that first, you need to make sure you identify your target persona really well. Like, who's your target persona? And go deep into your target persona. It's not just about, okay, I'm going to target PMs. Okay, I'll target PMs at what industry? At what level? Is it Series A to Series D? Is it established companies? Is it startups? And then if it's a lot of later stage companies, you know, PLG is not going to work as well because there you really need to have a dedicated sales team going and selling. Whereas if, you, if, you, if your target market is like startups and early stage companies, don't invest in sales team. Invest in a really good, you know, product-led growth model. And I mean, I love product-led growth. If you can find a business in the product-led growth side, that's great. But again, more often than not, to answer your question, unfortunately, the founders they don't think about it until this time to like, okay, now we are fine. Now we have found product market fit. The retention looks good. And now what? And then they start thinking about it. But I would definitely advise them to think about it much earlier. So it sounds like those early stage startup guys have a really, really difficult job, right? On top of trying to establish a really good product, develop and code a really good product, and constantly listening and constantly evaluating how the product's being received in the marketplace, you got to think about your business model and how that's built in inherently in terms of your development and your product release cycle. So we get that. That's tough. And as we're moving over into the growth organizations, I've got my product to market fit. I've hopefully thought about my go-to-market, but maybe probably have not. And so now I'm trying to catch up to your point. I'm trying to catch up. If it's not PLG, it's not like you can reverse engineer it to be PLG. You probably determine that. Now I probably have a very strong sales-led go-to-market motion I need to think about. And we talked about this idea of being scrappy. We talked about this idea of listening. We talked about kind of these inherent skills of developing towards that early stage product-to-market fit. What are some of the core skill sets and kind of mindset you need to have in that growth phase to be successful? Yeah. So in the growth phase, so you already have the product-market fit. So you're not thinking about, okay, whether this is the right persona, this is the right industry or any of those. It's like, those are all given to you. So it's now more about how do you reach those people quickly enough and how do you message them such that they understand the value prop? How do you optimize the funnel so they can convert sooner? So all of those, that's the that's where the skill set lies. It's like, okay, you know, like if I'm just saying 40-year-old women in Bay Area is my target, then I'm like, okay, maybe I should go to like Facebook neighborhood groups. Right. And that's where I find the people. And then how do I message them? How do I reach them? And how do I place ads there? So like really thinking about how do I 
get my product to the users who really love my product. That's that's going to be the more. You're not trying to like experiment. Okay, is it different demographic, different age group, or different geography? It's more about okay, where do I find a lot of these people? How do I repeatedly acquire them? And then also like when I think think about the funnel. And I acquire them, move them into different stages to the conversion process to a paid user. How do I optimize that? So, and also like again, depends on the PLG versus sales. If it's a PLG, then you know I need to invest a lot in maybe content marketing and digital marketing and get them users into my website. Versus sales that is enabling salespeople with enough, you know, sales enabled material, giving them enough content to and also leads to like go figure out where they can find them, talk to them, and quickly get them to the funnel and convert them. And then building this whole marketing, sales, customer success org. So those are the things you are thinking about as a leader in a growth stage company. Of course, the experimentation never stops, right? On the product side, the experimentation never stops. If if not, the velocity of experimentation is even more because now you have a critical mass of users. So you can actually do a real A-B test. <laughs> this is more statistically significant. So the, on the product side, the experiment doesn't stop. In fact, it only increases. But you know, the more emphasis is on the should 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 be on the distribution. Yeah. So we have this transition for product leadership. They're now in this place where they are in many ways becoming a general manager on many levels. This idea of whether or not they were perfect initially with understanding their go-to-market model. Well, guess what? The bill is now due. You're starting to think as a GM would think about your product. How do I extend the product and how do I connect it to my go-to-market to make it a more effective, in other words, a more likely to be a growth product? And then I'm going to make some guesses here about that maturity stage organization. But as you spoke to earlier, Critique, ultimately what's happening there is it ends up being about managing stakeholder expectations. It ends up being about the maturity of the platform. And I imagine some of the things that you're looking to advise clients on here, and if you're thinking about your own products, it's when to end of life cycle a product or when to end of life cycle features. So you're getting to the point that you've got a mature product and you're starting to think about, hey, where does this product go next in terms of what's useful and what's not? Is that is that a fairly good representation of what's happening with those more mature product cycles? So when I talk about stakeholder management, that's like, it's like 80% of the PMs in the org are doing that. But then there's still like a small percentage of the product leaders who are always thinking about, okay, what's next? You know, it's almost an innovator's dilemma, right? You know, and this is great right now, but all these other startups are going after a different thing. Like, okay, now we have TikTok. So what does Facebook do? How do we react? Okay, we need to build Reels. Okay, let's go build Reels, which is a brand new product. And then when you think about Reels as like almost a startup within Facebook and you need to build that. So there is a still, still a startup aspect of, you know, in, 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 even in large companies, but that's probably like a much smaller percentage of, you know, let's say Facebook has like 2000 PMs, that's probably like 50 PMs are focused on innovation and figuring out, okay, what new products we, we build versus like I don't know, 1900 of them are like feeling just trying to make sure the, the current product is more, you know, like optimized for the user. So that's kind of the split you see. Actually, there's one more point I want to add. A lot of the times when at Facebook or in large companies, they're like, hey, no, you know, even you can work for Facebook or Google. And even here, we spin up startups all the time. It's just like working for a startup. I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all, because you have infinite resources. Like, even, even if I am at Facebook, you still give me a designer, a data scientist, uh, you know, like a user researcher, and, and a team of engineers. I have none of that in startup. Like, my money is running out. I know that I don't have to worry about not getting paid next month. And that whole psychological kind of mindset is what drives entrepreneurs outside large companies. So it's still, it's very, very different. <laughs> 
Wait, so the skill sets are there. The skill sets are similar, right? I've got an early stage startup mentality within a larger corporation, but I'm lacking the forcing function of as stressful as it is. And as a, a multi-time founder, you can tell me this idea of running out of cash is an incredible motivator that doesn't exist for larger organizations. And, and I think what I'm taking away from this conversation today, Kartik, is that although we'd like to silo development, large versus small, scrappy startup versus mature established player, I believe what we're talking about is product management has a tough job. Development has a really tough job because depending on where you are with regard to a product introduction, you quite often, frankly, probably have to be capable of each of those core skill sets, early development, growth, and maturity. Is that a fair assessment where folks need to be? Yeah, that's definitely a fair assessment. You know, if you want to be a product leader in kind of any given org, at least from a skill set perspective, that's what you need to aim towards, you know, actually um, getting to, yeah. Well, I, I hope we haven't terrified any people thinking about product leadership, but I hope we've informed them that that skill set that you're so dependent on, really, it never goes away from that early stage all the way up through maturity. So, Kritika, learned a lot today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, fantastic. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kartik Suresh, co-founder at Ignition, for joining us today. And part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kartik and I are going to dig in and talk about avoiding bottlenecks in product launches. Okay, if you can't wait until our next episode and like to learn more about Kartik, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company website at haveignition.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at revgenpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. <laughs>